Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Harditz. It is a great day to be great. And we have a ton of news to go over because training camp season is in the air. Running backs are still very much pissed off at life in general. And yeah, a lot of stuff is going on. Unfortunately, the injury gods have continued to curse our lovely sport. But as always, we will watch the film get better and adjust the ranks. And by we, I mean myself and none other than Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all around baller, a truly good friend of mine, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What's up, Ian? Yeah, man, like this news is, uh, it's been a busy weekend. I did Sirius XM earlier today with our uh, good buddy, Kendall Valenzuela, and there was no, there was no shortage of news. Like we didn't have to like come up with some topic, like topics just kept breaking the whole time. It's definitely that time of year with all the camps going and man, I just, I have my fingers crossed because I've never, Ian, have you ever drafted so many teams so early where you're so no. dependent? Number one, no, we just don't I want have. players getting hurt, period. <laughs> I know, me too. And so I'm like, I have massive exposures on some of these players, and that's the one negative that could get you, especially in best ball. You can't replace them. Like you could be, you know, without two or three players on some of these rosters before we get to uh to game one of the NFL season. And yeah, the injury gods, uh, yeah, they're kind of dabbling in. They're dabbling right now. We were literally talking, Dwayne, a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, just using actually our best ball hub and not to continue to ram that down your guys' throats, but it is cool and it is free, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> with that, Dwayne, you know, you can see again where you draft the players versus now. And we were just talking about how we'd actually, you know, done a really good job with a lot of the rookies and certain guys getting real big ADP discounts from drafting, you know, earlier in the summer. Antonio Gibson, you know, guys like that. And Dwayne, I think the one little thing we forgot about is how freaking annoying and just sad and frustrating whatever you know adjective you want to use it can be when these guys get hurt so cannot control the injury gods it's a part of the game more on that here in just a little bit but first Dwayne the real big news out there is this Jonathan Taylor madness just continuing to go on after the RB zoom meeting hurt around the world you know we had Jonathan Taylor back up his guys and really just start to try to you know use his leverage and what little leverage he has I think you've made a great point on Twitter a couple times about guys like Jonathan Taylor and his position trying to again force the team's hand and get that contract get that second contract for themselves while their value is still at its peak unfortunately colts owner jim Irsay is not making things easy and the colts in general are not going to be playing you know softball with this one they are quote unquote considering placing jonathan taylor on the non-football injury list allegedly he suffered some type of back injury while working out on his own in arizona He's also still rehabbing from a January ankle surgery currently on the pup list. So that came out on Sunday night, which was already batshit crazy enough, Dwayne. And then we actually get Jonathan Taylor himself coming out and revealing that, no, he did not have a back pain. He's never reported back pain. And we are now not exactly sure if the back pain is real or not. We had a video of Jonathan Taylor walking around during a training camp practice, seemingly, you know, maybe with that hunched over grandpa style walk. It's a mess, Dwayne. Doesn't seem like it's getting, you know, better anytime soon. And with Jimmy Irsay saying that we are not trading Jonathan, end of discussion, not now and not in October. It makes you wonder, will Jonathan Taylor actually play football this year? I think the answer to that is a resounding yes, because what other levers do he and any of these other running backs have? But just a mess of a situation, Dwayne, that, you know, didn't exactly come out of nowhere, nowhere, but my God, it escalated quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm with you. I think he's still going to play. Um, so we'll see what happens with his ADP. I mean, he's at pick 20 right now, but I know I've seen some screenshots and people talking about him falling into the third round. I did a draft on DraftKings this weekend where I got him in the third, and I was very, very happy to click on his name. Not not as happy in DraftKings as I am you know, over, um, on Underdog because in full PPR, like 
Taylor loses a little bit more. Like I'd easily, I'm clicking on Tony Pollard in full PPR over Jonathan Taylor, but I'm, I'm willing to buy the debt because of what you said at the end, right? Which is in the end, like this is like the best time for Taylor to make this play, but he's not going to want to miss out on game checks, right? I mean, it's just still going to be worth a decent amount for him to play this season, but I would be very surprised <laughs> if we see Jonathan Taylor back in a Colts uniform after this. Now, the Colts will still be able to franchise tag him if they want. Um, and I was talking with Kendall a little bit about this on SiriusXM. Like, as much as it sounds crazy to come back, like after all this wild social media stuff, like athletes are trained and they're still human beings. So, like, don't go at them on Twitter, you guys, and say, hey, Dwayne said they can compartmentalize. But if there's anybody on the earth that can hate the person they're working for, but compartmentalize that and say, hey, I've still got my teammates, I've got this game that I love, and they're, they, you hear all the cliches, right? Hey, let's just go play one one play at a time, one game at a time. You know, you probably do your Jason Garrett voice here or something, Ian. Stacking good games on top of good games. Um, there are benefits, right? To athletes have been trained to do that, like their whole life. So I still think he can come out and be productive. You do kind of worry, like if he comes out and plays, gets the playing time he needs, has a small nagging injury late in the season, and especially if the team isn't really winning or anything and he it's not a big deal to his teammates, might he be more likely to be like, oh, well, sorry, guys, not playing. I, I think that's a risk that we haven't had to think about before, and it doesn't just apply to Taylor. I think it applies to Barkley. It, now, Barkley got some incentives, right, on his contract. Yeah. It applies to Josh Jacobs. Um, dude, what's up? Remember at the end of round two and beginning of round three, like the slam dunk strategy just like, you know, a month ago was, man, just take the freaking running backs. They shouldn't be there now. Every single one of them has a question. Jonathan Taylor's got a question. Josh Jacobs, we've got questions. Brees Hall, we've got questions. Derrick Henry, you know, he's moving up, but he's an older player. It's just, it's, the landscape has changed like so much and so, uh, and so little time. That's why a few weeks ago, Dwayne, I kind of thought the 101 was almost the best spot to be picking from. You can get Justin Jefferson and have a legit chance at getting, you know, Chubb and Pollard or a Jacobs or a Taylor guys like we still felt really good about the two, three term. But those guys are either, again, have now major red flags that, you know, warrants them dropping into round three a little bit or just, you know, the ones like Pollard and Chubb have moved up because they don't have those same red flags. Now I'm starting to lean towards, man, the 104, 105. You're still kind of getting one of those top four wide receivers and you have a much better chance of having a Chubb or Pollard fall to you. I actually had the 105 in a best ball mania draft I did earlier, and yeah, Dwayne, I got Jonathan Taylor pick 29 there in round three after I got Love Pollard it. in round two, so I am happy to buy that dip. Do you have a favorite draft position? Because, you know, I did publish a lovely, if I will say, you know, most important thing I've ever done, Dwayne, is my uh, top 10 ways to decide your fantasy football league draft order. But, but the way my leagues do it is usually, you know, if you win that first spot, you get to pick where you want to go in the draft. So assuming a 12-man league, Dwayne, is there a spot that, again, it's mostly for redraft season, you see yourself leaning towards? Yeah, my favorite is that pick three or pick four. I okay. still get one of the elite wide receivers like Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and then I can come back around and grab a back. Um, so, and then, and then I'm, I'm kind of open, right? Really with my round two and round three pick, I can play the board. Like if it's one of the backs you talked about, like maybe Pollard slips there and I just take him. But if he doesn't, then I can just kind of play this game and say, well, let's see if Jonathan Taylor comes back to me in the third round and I can take a wide receiver in round two. If I want, I can go elite quarterback in round three. If the running back doesn't work out, I feel like up at that top end, 
you're in a good spot to miss the tear breaks, right? You're, you're going to be picking in front of the tear breaks. And if the tear break does hit at one position, you can just pivot to another position where there's still an elite asset that's available. So yeah, that's, that's been my favorite right in that top range this year. You mentioned before, you don't believe Taylor's going to be back there with the Indianapolis Colts. And honestly, man, that could be a good thing. There's a reason why he was falling in the round two before this happened and why Dwayne and I have been drafting guys like Nick Chubb, like Tony Pollard ahead of him. And it's just the reality that the Shane Steichen led Anthony Richardson offense is probably going to be having a lot more scrambling and targets to the running backs. And as we saw with Jalen Hurts last year in the same system, once they get down to the one yard line, probably not going to be a lot of turning around and handing the ball off more so Jonathan, you know, get behind Anthony and push the man across the goal line. So with that in mind, Dwayne, I mean, I'm just looking through some of the teams right now out there that could feasibly use a running back. Not that they can afford to, you know, give Taylor a long-term deal or you don't have the draft picks to trade for him in the first place. But, you know, the Dolphins, the Jets, Chiefs, Rams, Buccaneers, Eagles, someone with it, that apparently was in the market for, uh, you know, Derrick Henry. Didn't hear much about that after the draft. But, uh, man, like, I feel like a lot of these teams, you could argue actually going to push his value above where it was with Indy so not only by the dip if he goes back to Indy but I think in general man like if we get a trade partner here and you'd like to think it could be a contending team this could end up a net positive for Taylor in fantasy yeah I think with Taylor like the path to him destroying on the Colts is kind of more like a Derrick Henry path right one where you know not super involved in the past game but it's okay because it's a team that's probably going to run all the time anyway um, and Jonathan Taylor's just such a good player. Like, even though he's probably going to lose some carries inside the five, some touchdowns, I still don't see them just completely going away from him just because he's so good. He's not the normal back that we're like, ah, oh, yeah, just let the, the, the quarterback run it in. Right? I mean, Jonathan Taylor is, he's an absolute beast. This dude's a stud. So I've discounted some of the, those things a little bit, but it was enough to move him below Chubb and below Pollard in some formats like you talked about. Like there's, there's a concern like with Anthony Richardson, you know, wanting to scramble. So I think that's legit. But overall, the Colts, I think their identity will be running the ball. Whether they're trailing, leading, close, I don't think it's going to matter. I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw last year with the Bears. So I think there's still room for Taylor. But to your point, because he is so good, he can almost land anywhere. Like, yes, there's certain rooms where we wouldn't want him. We don't want him to land somewhere like the Giants where you're like, well, crap, now you got to play with Barkley. Like, we don't want that. But most teams, Jonathan Taylor can land on and be the lead back. Like, that's just how good he is. So I think it's different than the Dalvin Cook thing, right? Where people are like, well, like, where's Dalvin really going to land? That he's Like, Dalvin kind of has to land in just the right spot mm -hmm. to take over. But Jonathan Taylor's a good enough player that, like, if he landed on the Eagles... As much as we can see upside scenarios and, you know, silver linings for, you know, Rashad Penny and how we can see that for DeAndre Swift. And we can even talk about Kenny Gainwell. Like, there would be no doubt in my mind. Like, it's the Jonathan Taylor show, period. Like, he's just going to take that backfield over. That's how good he is. So, yeah, I, I do agree with you that there's probably most of the outs that are available to him would be even or upgrades to what we're getting in Indy. I'm a little more bullish on him in Indy than, than some others, but I, but I have downgraded him a little bit for the reasons that you talked about maybe got a little more leverage for himself with Zach Moss, the presumably number two RB in Indy, breaking his forearm and being expected to miss six weeks. Current Indy running back room, Evan Hall, Deion Jackson, Jake Funk, and Xavier Scott Dwayne. If this Jake Jonathan Funk, Taylor's back. Jake Funk, man, back in the fantasy football wavelength. Gotta, gotta freaking love it. But yeah, <laughs> certainly a place to look at, you know, for guys like Fournette, for Zeke, for Kareem Hunt. You gotta think that this Jonathan Taylor situation doesn't get revolved, uh, 
resolved, I should say. So we're going to see uh, Indy make a splash in that free agent. I will say, market. if you're going to go do that, Indy, just find a way to compensate Taylor with some incentives. Yeah. Like, I'd rather give him some incentives on his contract than go sign Leonard Fournette. Like, it's just, like, you're going to have to spend the money either way in that scenario. Like, just, yeah. you know... I don't know. I don't. Ursay does very. He seems to be really digging in. So I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm with you, man. All right, it's a sad one. Our one true king, yeah. Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick, believed to have torn his Achilles. Give him a moment of silence, everyone. Uh, why can't we have good things, Dwayne? Why does my family have to be poor for the next year? Because I irresponsibly. Drafting him more than any wide receiver other than Deontay Johnson. Why do the injury gods hate us? I just want to know why. Also, KJ Hamler diagnosed with mild heart irritation. He's going to get waived. That sucks too. Uh, yeah, man. This is a tough one. Um, and you just feel for Tim Patrick, right? It was yeah. August 2nd last year when the ACL injury happened. So just two days from where we are right now. You know, and someone that had to battle back from that, you know, Hanging out courtside with Russ, Sean Payton, going to have a chance to maybe vie for some of that Michael Thomas kind of role. Now, folks, we're not saying he's the old school Michael Thomas, but like he has some ruggedness to his game. So Pat, Tim Patrick was in line for a decent role here. Um, but with him likely out for the season, this opens a door for Marvin Mims. I mean, Marvin Mims is the guy that we really loved over at Fantasy Life, the wide receiver supermodel. All along said, Marvin Mims should be a second round pick even though we were giving him a third round grade based on mock drafts. And then once he got that late second round capital, um, he shot way up in the rankings again. So he's basically just outside the tier one with Quentin Johnston and those guys. Like he was knocking on the door of that tier. The thing I like about him when you watch him in, he's got that vertical prowess. He's really good on the deep crossing routes. Um, he has a really good feel for those zones. He's got that speed that he can get over at the top of the safety. He's got some contested catchability, kind of that circus catch. He's not a super big guy, right? This, he's, not, he's not really tall. He's, he's kind of thin, but he's one of those guys that just seems to play above the rim, despite the fact that he's uh, a, a tad undersized at the wide receiver position. Um, so I really like him. I think he probably moves from being a round 14 pick right now to probably somewhere like round 11 would be my guess, Ian. We're probably going to get a two to three round bump. It's a talented player. Uh, and Sean Payton, like I think it's worth mentioning that – you come over and your team has no draft picks because they traded for you, Sean Payton, and because they traded for Russ Wilson. And what do they do? Like the, the first pick they have, it is a late second, but they didn't have the other picks. They go out and they take Marvin Mims when you could argue that their wide receiver room maybe wasn't the thing that they needed the most help with. So I think Payton clearly saw something that they like about the player uh, and the fit with Russ. So um, hate it for Tim Patrick. I do think this is huge news for Marvin Mims. Currently going off the board, wide receiver 72, pick 165. So, Dwayne, looking at it again right now over underdog fantasy, I'm seeing over, I think, exactly what you mentioned, you know, a couple rounds up. Rasheed Rice, Jonathan Mingo, Van Jefferson, those guys are going the early 60 wide receiver tier. About that spot for Mims? Yeah, that's, that's right around where I'm putting him. I definitely, like, I'm really, you know, Rasheed Rice is kind of on a heater right now on camp, so yeah. it's like, I have started drafting him some more. I, I'd, I'd been drafting him just because he was cheap, but now it's kind of like you're hearing good news to go with it. But yeah, like Marvin Mims, like you could argue Ian could push his way up towards Nico Collins 
Sky Moore's at Sky Sky Moore's at ninety six now. That's probably a tad high. I, I like him as much as Sky Moore, but Sky Moore plays with Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, I think Nico Collins is probably like as high as he could push. And I think I might like clicking his name. Like I would still rather click his name there than Juju Smith Schuster. I would rather click uh, him than Romeo Dubs. Um, I mean, you can argue like some of these guys are have floors like Jacoby Myers, Zay Jones. They've proven things, right? So, but yeah, I think right in that range. Uh, then you get down to your point to like that next little group of Rasheed Rice, Jonathan Mingo, um, Rondell Moore's in that mix. Pro- probably somewhere right in that range is his first move. Jerry Judy, already someone we've been happy to be drafting. And in fact, I have an article coming out tomorrow about my favorite picks in each individual round. Jerry Judy got the love for me in round four. It is a weird spot because, again, Dwayne, you talked about this a lot with Christian Watson. Like, there are five or six wide receivers usually there that I don't think are separated by all that much. They each have a red flag. It's just kind of like user preference. So, but yeah, obviously going to help out with Jerry Judy's target share and even Cortland Sutton, Dwayne. Thought we were done with Cortland Sutton again. I was well, like, why, why draft Sutton when you can get ten passes? Really, picks later, and this is why. yeah. It's actually a really good point by you because there was a danger of this just being kind of a rotation. Because like if if Marvin Mims came out and balled out in camp, now he had been hurt, but he's back on the field now. And if Tim Patrick's playing well in camp, like we have seen some of these wide receiver rooms in the past, and Sean Payton's even done this at times where none of them can get to like a 95% route participation, right? They're like all in the 80s. We've seen the Ravens do that in recent years where they just, they're like, now nah, we're just going to kind of rotate all these guys. And while it's not the end of the world, we want our guys out there as often as possible. And so that was a potential scenario for Judy. That was a potential scenario for Cortland Sutton. And so now, and we hate for it to come this way, but with Tim Patrick, with us losing him, I think we can't, we pretty well, and you already mentioned the, the news with KJ Hamler, we pretty well know what three wide receiver sets look. Yeah. Also not necessarily bad news for Greg Dulcich, right? A guy that flashed for us last year. He can play from the slot as well, doesn't always have to line up in line. So the Broncos still have some weapons they can depend on. Um, but I think now there's a little more stability in knowing that these guys are all going to be on the field. Yeah, and again, never wanted to see it come this way. But man, even with the KJ Hamler thing too, like he was already coming back from a torn pec, so I wasn't really, yeah. you know, expecting him to factor in all that much. There are already kind of rumors about him being cut, but get better, get better, KJ, get better, Tim Patrick. Absolutely hate, hate, hate it. Uh, more injuries, more injuries to talk about, Dwayne. <laughs> Seahawks running backs, uh, Kenneth Walker with a groin is considered week to week. Zach Charbonnet with a shoulder out indefinitely per Pete Carroll. So that could mean he's back at practice tomorrow or he's going to miss the entire season, judging on how Pete Carroll typically talks about injuries. DJ Dallas and Kenny McIntosh currently the next man up. I will say this is uh, from Adam Levitan, king in our fantasy industry. Love you, Adam. But he actually, you know, was listening to the press conference and had a similar takeaway as I did. Uh, it's a bit scary because Pete Carroll always has rose-colored glasses on when talking injuries. But if you listen to Carroll's actual presser, neither injury sounds overly severe, and they still have six full weeks until week one. So that's kind of my overall you know, thought on this right now, Twin. We don't have a lot of information. It just seems like Pete is doing Pete things and throwing his words around. I'm not pleased that they do seem more negative than the usual Pete injury updates. But have you made severe ranking adjustments you know, to these injuries yet? Because I have not. No, I haven't. And I generally wait a little longer at this time of year, right? Number one, if you're drafting on underdog and we know you, I'm, I'm using ADP to help keep my ranks in line, you know, it, it gets weighted in there, right? So that's a component, but I'm not overly reacting to some of these injuries and things because you know how it goes. Like I've been doing this long enough. 
that then next week you get the other report and then I just got to go back and move it all back again. Right. <laughs> so it's just better to, to kind of take more of a wait and see approach. Now, if it was a player that didn't have the upside of Charbonnet or something like that, like I would easily move him down, but I, I, I really don't want to stop drafting Charbonnet. I'm hoping I get a little bit of a discount. I still think everything we liked about him is true, right? There's a lot of outs there for him. I'm with the main thing that scared me is just that Pete is usually so rosy, you know, and to say indefinitely. And yeah, to Adam's point, like it's not necessarily, he wasn't necessarily being overly negative, but we're just so used to like Pete Carroll was like swearing, like that Chris Carson was still going to play. Like when Chris, you know, he was still, he, I think he was already in a coffin maybe like, and we were getting reports that he was going to be playing and coming back. So, um, and no disrespect to Carson, man, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I hate that he, that his career was shortened by the neck injury, but that's just an example, like of how Pete, Pete literally so, kind of called him day to day. And we found out he was yes. retiring like the next. Update, yes. So. Yeah. So it's, it, that makes it tough. Um, I did kind of do some research on Twitter just to see, you know, what all of our, uh, the neighborhood docs were saying. And there was some concerns like with the shoulder, because it sounds like it was a non-contact injury and just suddenly he started feeling something in his shoulder. So there were some thoughts that maybe that's a labrum issue, which typically running backs can play through, but there is risk of, new, of re-injury. But to your point, we still have six weeks, like until the season gets here. So we've got some time for these guys to heal up. Um, my guess is they're looking at, you know, Charbonnet and they're trying to decide, like, what are they seeing? Like on the images and maybe we get more information the next day or two. But again, the best news is that it's happening early in camp and we've got enough time for these guys to still get healthy. Any thoughts on Kenny McIntosh? You know, he is someone that if you do look at him, a little bit of an older prospect relative to some of the guys coming out. Didn't test well at all, but had some solid underlying numbers just with what he did at Georgia. Also, which is often the case at Georgia, they have so many good running backs there that you can give him a little bit benefit of the doubt in terms of maybe his dominator score not being as high as you might expect from someone of his profile. But still, around seven running back, but... If there was going to be a time for one of these round seven running backs to make a little noise, uh, Dwayne, you know, we could see it with Pete. After all, as we just mentioned, Chris Carson back in the day. So are you buying any of the Kenny Mack hype? Um, I don't mind taking a swing on him in the very last round. Um, he's a guy I'd already gotten a couple of times just to, to do something different at the end of a draft. Um, he does have that pass catching profile. That's yep. the biggest thing that he comes with. This is a guy that was able to earn targets at a really nice clip in college. Um, probably a little bit underrated um, in that regard, just because you know he's playing behind two other second round picks, so we don't talk about it a lot. But he did have a nice receiving profile coming out of college. Also, Pete Carroll is a guy that we've seen Evan repeatedly be willing to use three backs. Now we would assume with these two second round picks, he would rather funnel it mostly through them. But this does open the door for Kenny McIntosh during practice to come out and show what he has, and he could potentially carve out like some of that receiving down work that we were hoping perhaps Charbonnet picks up. So I think that's the other downside here is that if McIntosh is really impressive while Charbonnet is sitting out and maybe they thought Sharps was going to be the passing down back. I mean, there's a chance like McIntosh still some of that work for the rest of the season because he is good in that capacity. So something we'll kind of have to keep an eye on fine as a late round pick. My biggest concern is does McIntosh impress enough to make this one of those, you know, pesky three-way backfields we say it all the time two-way fine that's just the age of living in the 2020s right you know that's that's what you got to deal with in fantasy but when it becomes three that's a crowd 
amen to that. Another potential crowd that has been brewing for quite some time now. New England Patriots continue to bring in these veteran RBs. First was Leonard Fournette. Now we have Ezekiel Elliott apparently still hanging out in New England. Got spotted at dinner with Mac Jones even, Dwayne. So look, it does seem like New England is going to be adding someone. Maybe it has something to do with Ty Montgomery suffering an early training camp injury after getting some hype on the first day out there. Again, Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, those guys are still out there too. So Looks like, Dwayne, where there's smoke, there usually is fire, and I do expect the Patriots at some point to add one of these running backs. Do you plan on moving Ramondre Stevenson down the ranks, much if at all, should the Patriots sign a Zeke, Fournette, or Hunt type? Yeah, so a couple things. I think it does depend on which one they sign uh, as to what, how I'm going to treat Ramondre. But the first thing that we have seen the Patriots do this for many years now, where they do their due diligence right on these veterans that are available, and basically they're ready. They're ready to make a move when they need to. So I don't, I don't, I'm with you. It feels like they're going to sign someone, but this is a team that's shown this pattern in the past without going and signing anyone. I think the number one thing this is saying is, hey, we're watching Pierre Strong. We're watching Kevin Harris. Like one of them are going to have to really step up and camp to show us they can give us something behind Ramondre. And if they don't, we're basically ready to pounce at any moment. We've done our work on Zeke. We've done our work on Leonard Fournette. Hey, maybe Kareem, can Kareem Hunt get a phone call? Anybody? Like, come on. Well, let's not leave Kareem Hunt out in the cold completely. And then obviously they were associated with Dalvin early on. At one point they became the favorites, you know, to sign Dalvin Cook. Um, not so much anymore, but they have looked at all the guys. So I, the the ones that scare me the most, Ian, like Fournette scares me because he has that dual capacity ability, right? He's a guy that coaches have trusted out there on passing downs. He could still carry his inside the five yard line. Yeah, Lenny isn't super explosive, but he's a big dude. He, he can score some touchdowns. He can run over some people. Um, if you look at Kareem Hunt, also more of a dual threat profile. Yes, he took a step back, but someone that we've seen be good in the passing game role. That's the main thing I think you want to avoid. If it's Zeke, it doesn't bother me too much. It's like, you know, somebody's going to spell Ramondre Stevenson you know, for 25, 30% of the carries, whether that's Pierre Strong Jr. or whether that's Zeke, I'm expecting that anyway. I don't think Zeke is good enough at this point in his career, though, to suddenly be like, oh my God, like there goes half of Ramondre's carries. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen because he played so well. So Zeke is not the same in the passing game. He can, he can block for sure. You can throw him out there and let him block. But Stevenson is so good on passing downs. I think that secures everything. So if Zeke were to sign, I'm not moving Ramondre much at all. Um, I think he would fall a little bit just because the market's going to react to it. If it's Leonard Fournette, that one's a little, I, I still, I'm still going to be drafting Ramondre, but I think it's, I think it is a, it's questionable. Do you continue to pound him like at the top half, right? Of the third yeah. round? Are you taking him at that, at that, say you've got pick one, are you taking him at the two, three turn? I think the profile, the target earning profile and those things are still there to like him. But that one's a little bit more troublesome. Um, Kareem Hunt, not as worried because so we saw him take such a step back. But I think Fournette would be the one where I might start thinking, man, he should be more of a mid-third, maybe late third. With Zeke, I'm not going to be moving him much. Kareem Hunt, I don't know. Like I, Technically, I worry about him more than Zeke because of his profile, but like he was so bad last year. It's like I, don't, I, I probably wouldn't move him much.
It's one of these things where right now with Ramondre in the early parts of the third, I have not been clicking quite as much uh, on him recently there, especially with guys like, you know, Josh Jacobs and Brees Hall falling into that area. Jonathan freaking Taylor now. I mean, come on. I'm not going to be taking Stevenson over that beast right there. But if we get Stevenson kind of slipping into the fourth round guys like Jameer Gibbs, maybe in the fifth with Aaron Jones, Dwayne, big fall for it to happen. But that would be kind of the situation where I would be more than happy to continue keeping on with that exposure. But to, you, to your point, it will depend on what running back gets brought in there and then obviously what sort of financial uh, contribution they're going to be getting speaking of the patriots from ace reporter doug keed there are four pass catchers who are essentially guaranteed starting roles in the patriots offense running back ramondre stevenson wide receivers juju smith schuster and Devonte parker and tight end hunter henry Dwayne, it's not impossible to it's very possible to do i've done it several times and it keeps being really fun mac jones hunter henry Devonte parker final three picks in the fantasy drafts and you're walking away with a qb1 tight end one and wide receiver one in the patriots offense you can make a similar uh you know phenomenon happen with the panthers bryce young hayden hurst terrence marshall but we're not nearly as confident in marshall uh being you know featured like Devonte parker but hey man if we're all in on you know bill o'brien magically turning mac jones back into the guy we saw more so in 2021 versus 2022 i mean what is what what is taking so long for Devonte parker to shoot up here because he got the contract extension and i thought that was going to mean days are over you know of getting him outside the top 80 wide receivers then deandre hopkins signs with tennessee see and it's like oh my god we just avoided another crisis and now we're getting even more just confirmation that he's going to be an integral part of this passing game Devonte parker Dwayne, he's one of the best late round wide receivers out there and i know people i know us fancy analysts have been saying this for 60 straight years but it's, look, it's looking good Dwayne. well i mean we just think he's going to have a role like and that's all you really have to say with uh one of your last round picks is it a wide receiver that's slated to start and be on the field right i mean and that's what you, I mean, you can't argue with that right now with Parker. Uh, and Parker really, he was the best wide receiver last year for the Patriots when he was healthy. He was way better than Tyquan Thornton. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's fine. They like to use him more in that vertical capacity. We'll see if, like, the route tree gets opened up a little bit with Bill O'Brien. Don't know. I mean, it's not, you're not, I'm not, like, super elated to click on Parker all the time. But it is hard to not want to take some swings on him just because, of how much money he's he's got and you're getting him like i had moved him up like right now an underdog where's he going in underdog he's wide, wide receiver, receiver 81 pick 190 yeah so i i've kind of stayed ahead of adp on him like i was way i was like ahead of him like before the deal was even signed um just because i'm not a believer in taekwon thornton but i've got him at 75 right so i've still got him ahead of adp adp and i made that move like three weeks ago like, so an ADP still hasn't caught up. Usually when we're m making these moves, you got to kind of keep an eye on them and you're like, okay, do I want to continue to try to stay up above ADP? And if I do, like, I'm going to need to adjust my ranks to keep people taking them. And to your point, like I haven't been forced to do that. I, I will say the, the Mac Jones thing is interesting and it is, it's, a, I like keeping that in my back pocket just because sometimes you get all of your stacks like sniped, yeah. right? But it's not one I'm going out of my way to make if my other stacks are falling into place for me. Another way you can do it is if for some reason, you know, maybe you started off with Josh Allen, you know, and you came back and got Gabe Davis, you know, you've got the bills, they play the Patriots in week 17. Um, you know, Chess Liam will tell you that the Patriots have no chance to score any points on the bills and it will just be a bills blowout. So you should just be all bills. You know, Chess is, uh, Chess Liam is one more money than me at best ball, but I think there's still a chance Ian, like we get end up with a shootout. Um, so like there's stories that you can tell yourself about the Patriots, but yeah, mostly 
just kind of keep it in my back pocket kind of thing just in case because sometimes wow you drafters get really pesky with taking all my stacks and just again this phenomenon of guys like parker having dramatic changes and kind of our projections and what we're thinking about him and not seeing that ADP change as quickly as I think we're noticing it. It's been common throughout this entire offseason. I think auto drafts have something to do with it. I think people just not being completely tuned in like we are when it's not even freaking August yet. Very understandable. I get it. But honestly, man, Devontae Parker with all this going on, Tajay Spears with the Hassan Haskins legal issues and just generally looking, you know, pretty good out there and seemingly set up to be their pass down back and, you know, back up behind Derrick Henry. And Ryan Tannehill, when they add DeAndre Hopkins and really, you know, tell us that they're seemingly going all in on this year, expected all three of those guys to be rising up in major ways. And they just really haven't so far. So I'm continuing to draft all three of those guys with borderline reckless abandon in the late rounds. Just not, just not Tim Patrick anymore, Dwayne. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Keep well, Hunter, Hunter Henry is like one of my most drafted tight that ends. Too. And like, yep. and I kind of thought the public would wake up to him and like quotes like this from Doug might start to wake some people up to him, but like he's pretty much a lock for that inline role. I know Gasecki's going to come in and play the F tight end, the move around the slot. He's going to do some things like that. But Hunter Henry's going to be out there a lot. Um, and when you're talking about a last pick in a best ball draft, like I've got Hunter Henry as my number 21 tight end. Um, like he's going number 33 on underdog right now. So like I'm way, way, way ahead of the market on him. And he's not like, it's not like we love him, but at the end of a best ball draft, again, if you can get players that have roles, one of the biggest things I did wrong in best ball last year, Ian was taking too many swings on mid and late round rookies in those last few rounds that just don't even get on the field. Whereas yeah, Hunter Henry's not sexy, but he's one of these guys. And we know with tight ends, if you have a good touchdown year and that can break either way for you, you score seven or eight touchdowns, you're probably going to be a top 12 tight end. And like that's in the range of outcomes for Hunter Henry. And again, if you're, if you're drafting three of them, you're just looking for them to come up with, you know, a couple of spike weeks for you to help kind of keep you moving if you get lucky enough to advance. Earlier round tight end, Kyle Pitts, someone who, if you guys tune in to Dwayne and I's NFFC uh, stream last week, I was able to get as a seventh tight end off the board. And in my best ball mania draft today, I once again saw him falling behind guys like Darren Waller and Dallas Goddard, which is unusual. He is out there participating in 11 on 11s. I mean, is it the brace, Dwayne? Like, did people just forget he got hurt to begin with? I'm just kind of confused so, where man. all this pessimism is so suddenly coming from, man. Like, we, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, you're going with it. Like we have a tendency, like in this industry, as as much as everybody studies, like things get double counted, right? It's like we we've we've already been talking about Kyle Pitts recovering from an injury, right? And we it was kind of expected that he might start camp slow. Um, there was a chance he wouldn't be available for camp. We knew that was in the range of outcomes. And so yeah, I'm with you. It's like I don't get the thing. Yeah, he's wearing a brace. So what? Like I'm really not worried about it. I see just like a random drill, like not even, wasn't even one-on-ones. He's just running a deep crosser and people are like, oh man, it looks weeks away from being ready. And it's like one who even, maybe he was jogging through. Maybe the coach said, hey, go have speed here. Like we're working on this. And two, Dwayne, he has weeks. So no, I'm not changing stuff with Kyle Pitts with this. If you didn't know he was hurt and now you're adjusting to that. Okay. But yeah, don't double count it. Like this is, this is no news to me here, Dwayne. Are we really going to be, you know, just again, examining the size of the brace every single practice here. Like, I'm, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. So if so. the brace gets smaller, ADP climbs. If, if the brace gets bigger, 
like he gets cheaper is that like is that the theory we're going with i know i know gronk used to have a big ass brace on his elbow every game and it worked out just fine for him (laughs) i know it's different and we can talk about if that brace means he's not quite on the same recovery time length and stuff like there are doctors out there at this but okay i just wanted to make sure i wasn't missing anything brutal with this kyle pitt stuff and yeah pretty sure i'm not so kyle pitts keep getting better and uh, we'll continue to treat you as a top seven tight end in fantasy land Chiefs wide receivers, Dwayne, Justin Ross has a different highlight every single day. Rasheed Rice is getting some highlights out there. Richie James doing his thing in the underneath areas of the field. And accordingly, all three are rocketing up draft boards. Richie James up 17.9 spots in the last week over at Underdog Fantasy. Justin Ross, 16.2. And Rasheed Rice, 7.3. That said, I did see a tweet, you know, talking about just the normal starting three wide receivers out there in Kansas City. And they continue to be Marquez, (laughs) Walter Scantling, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson out here so hey Uh, is this you know could could Justin Ross blow up as you know an incredibly talented former Clemson Tiger who had one of the best freshman seasons that we've really seen from a collegiate wide receiver I mean maybe Dwayne but like again I just feel like some of these training camp highlights are getting a little bit too excited last round dart okay but come on we can say they're a good last round dart about like 200 guys out there are you really buying into these backup Chiefs wide receivers doing much of anything this year um, well, I think there's certainly a chance. Like we just don't. It, it could take time. I'll I'll be if Justin Watson hangs on to a starting role. It says a lot about these wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and this is look, Justin Watson is a professional football player. I am not right. He's obviously on another level. Like he's succeeding in his life uh, in a way that I am not. Like you know, he is at the pinnacle of what he does. <laughs> Um, so like, 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 we're, we're proud of what we do here, but like, he's a one percenter, like not very many people are going to have to play pro football. So it's like that, it's like the happy Gilmore scene, you know, he's better looking than me. He's smarter than me. He's (laughs) he's better at life than me. He's all of those things. Yeah. Um, so now giving him those props, like relative to like other wide receivers in the league and an ability to earn targets and do all the things that you need to do to really be, you know, to take your game to like that next level and be someone that, you know, is very valuable to Patrick Mahomes, like he hasn't shown those things. So it's kind of concerning, right, to hear that that's still the, you know, the starting three. Now, we're early. We're very early in camp, right? And very often we get the, hey, paying your dues kind of thing. You know, we don't want to overreact. Like we can go back and pull up hundreds of headlines from training camp going as far back as we want of all these the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right, around rookies and how they're stuck behind veterans. It's pretty normal at this time of the year. It's just, uh, you know, I would like to hear maybe they're rotating in, but it does sound good for Sky Moore. It sounds like he's out there now in the, in the normal three wide receiver sets, which you need to hear because he's climbing into like round nine territory and drafts. But I will say, uh, Rasheed Rice, you know, did not grade that well in the fantasy life supermodel, but like he has had some pretty good consistent buzz, you know, at camp, you know, so we'll see if he can keep that up. He's a guy that I've been drafting a little bit more. I have a little bit of Justin Ross, Ian, but it is tough. Like he's that last round kind of dart throw. Um, you know, speaking of Justin Watson, like Marcus Valles Scantling also did not show us very much last year, right? He was not a very good target earner. You just know he's going to get the deep shots. That's the kind of role I could see Ross take over, right? If it eventually did happen, like maybe that's the role they put him in first. Put him at X, let him run the go routes, let Patrick, you know, when he gets the, the single coverage outside he wants, like just kind of heave it down the field and let Ross go do his thing because that's where he's really skilled. But it is hard to get overly excited, uh, you know, other than just that last round pick. 
no contract for Dalvin Cook just yet. Seemed like things were really pointing in that direction when he took that weekend visit, but here we are Monday afternoon and nothing there just yet. Robert Sala did call it a quote-unquote good visit. Love when they hype up these visits and then, you know, the player doesn't actually sign there, which would seemingly be the goal for all parties involved, but whatever. Worked out with DeAndre Hopkins, I guess, so I'll shut my mouth. Sala did say, though, Jets are not pushing or pressing the issue. No timeline for a signing, you know. Also getting notes that he does still want to play for the Dolphins. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, man, the uh, note from Connor Hughes, very good beat reporter, if I do say so out there. It's also important to know the Jets don't need Cook. He'd be a welcome addition, but it's a case of luxury, not necessity. Any contract off from Joe Douglas will reflect that. From what we've heard from Dalvin Cook, Dwayne, he does not want to be making much less money than about the $10 million or so he was going to be making on that Vikings contract. So still overly confident Dalvin Cook's going to go to the Jets. I was going into the last weekend, but now I'm starting to think it's more of a 50 50 situation with them and the dolphins yeah i think it's going to be tough for cook as long as he keeps the demand at that 10 million dollar level like i just i don't think anyone's going to sign him for that in in the state of what's going on in the league now we also know we're early in training camp and weird things can happen like we could have more injuries at the position like knock on wood we don't want those but to your point we are not god we can't turn injuries off god if you could we we would, we would take it we would appreciate it go for it um, so there's more things that still have to play out. So the market could change for Dalvin cook. I clearly think he's the guy like of all the ones that are available that still has the most left to offer from a talent profile, but I don't know that teams are going to look at it and think, Oh, wow. Like you're worth 6 million more than what we would give Fournette, or 7 million more than what we would give Fournette. I don't know that teams see it as being that big of a difference. I mean, I don't, I could be wrong. Like he's definitely the most talented guy that's out there. But the thing I start to worry about Ian is like, as I look at all the potential landing spots like it's kind of tough like if he lands with the Jets I wouldn't even take him ahead of where he's going right now like I'm I'm going to assume that eventually Brees Hall is going to take back over the lead role in that scenario and yeah Dalvin Cook probably gets more work than what we would have expected from Michael Carter right or Bam but I don't think he'd be over like 40 percent of the carries like once Brees Hall's fully rolling and you're spending a eighth or ninth round pick like I I wouldn't be against it at that price, but it's not like I'm super excited about it. He's probably so, priced about about right if he goes to the Jets right now. Dolphins, I think he would get. Dolphins, he would move up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I was going to say. Like, what are the teams you think where if he signed that are realistic, like that we've kind of heard him associated with, like where he really moves up? I, 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 I agree with you on the Dolphins. I think with the Dolphins, he might move into like that Alexander Madison slash Cam Akers range. Like, you know, in end of round five, somewhere in round six, I could see Cook going there. I said when I wrote, wrote this for a newsletter a couple of weeks ago, when it originally went down, that he'd probably be my projected RB19 on the Dolphins, which is exactly where about Madison is going. Ironically, some might say, but otherwise, man, I'm kind of hard-pressed to find a team where he even works as a top 24 RB. Maybe the Rams, you know, if they go out there, but I don't really think they have the money to go ahead and make that happen or even the desire uh, to do so. So, yeah, stay tuned with it. Um, looks like potentially not going to be something that's going to, you know, Domino's going to fall here any day and uh we'll see wish these running backs could make up their minds though Dwayne, because i'm uh, working on my handcuff <laughs> rb article and uh just know already that that's They're making it difficult 
Yeah, making it very hard. But you know what? Go get paid, guys. Uh, we appreciate you. And speaking of turning off injuries, if you play Madden or NCAA football and you don't turn off injuries immediately, you are a monster. So that is just my <laughs> two cents on that. A couple, we got the big hitters out of the way, but a couple more things. Uh, Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson did come down bad last week, but he is diagnosed with a low ankle sprain. So great news there. Not worried about his availability or performance ahead of week one. Joe Burrow, oh my gosh, made me write an entire extra newsletter, but that's okay because his calf is A-OK, Dwayne. Nothing worse than that. He will miss several weeks, but quote-unquote from rap sheet, doesn't sound like week one is in jeopardy right now. So yeah, could have been you know season ending for him and the Bengals, but it's not. Great day to be great Bengals nation. Who day nation, excuse me. Uh, Kyler Murray update. No timetable for his return from the ACL injury that was suffered on December 12th taking it one day at a time. Week one, not looking great. Week one has never looked great. I don't really take this update as anything more, Dwayne, than just you know news we kind of already knew. So any thoughts on Garrett, Burrow, or Kyler? Again, more good news than bad news here for sure. Yeah, Kyler is the main one. I don't think there's much there to talk about with Burrow and Wilson. You know, it is what it is. They're recovering. Uh, the Kyler thing, like, you know, I felt like it kind of got a little blown out of proportion because just a week before, like two weeks before, he was talking about how week one was his goal. And he still says the same thing in this article. He says he just doesn't know. Like, he can't say for sure he's going to be ready week one. He doesn't want to miss time. He's taking it one day at a time. He's got six weeks until week one gets here. So I really took that one as more of a no news kind of thing. I don't, I didn't see anything that was new information to me regarding, you know, Kyler Murray. I think the biggest thing is he started, you know, camp on the pup. So like we knew that it's something that they want to continue to take it easy with him, but we'll just have to continue to monitor it. I don't, I feel like we're just kind of really in the same spot that we always were with Kyler so far. It's amazing how this exact same article can be twisted so severely, depending on which, you know, three or four words people want to put out there on the tweet. It was like the Javante Williams thing. And Chris Allen and I talked about on the last podcast, like, yes, it's very good news with Javante that, you know, he's avoiding the puff and he's out there clear for contact and everything. But like the one article was him saying, like, I feel ready to go. And like the next line was him saying, you know, I'm not running at full speed yet, but, you know, we're moving that direction. <laughs> and it's like, can you imagine like the difference in just the fantasy community reaction? So, I understand people aren't reading, you know, as many books these days and stuff, but my God, have, you know, stretch that attention span from five seconds to 30. And I guarantee you, it'll uh, do you a lot. You got to click on the article sometimes folks, and you can speed read the article. You yeah. Know, if you yeah. don't want to read everything, there are a few, uh, you know, folks out there on Twitter that are like notorious for this. Like they're pretty much like getting you almost every time with some sort of clickbait. So you got to read the article. Ravens camp Isaiah likely has probably quote unquote caught more footballs than anyone other than Mark Andrews. And the Ravens have talked about making sure he stays involved this year. I just, you know, I think I put this down Dwayne, because I've been drafting a lot of Isaiah likely in round 18 uh, throughout the summer, but it does kind of add some credence to the idea that maybe we are underestimating the, you know, 12 personnel here. And if there is going to be a lot more 12 personnel in Baltimore, Seemingly Zay Flowers is the odd man out. So I know they drafted him in the first round, but any thoughts at all on this Dwayne with likely again, being a factor in an offense led by Todd Munkin, who we know loves to throw the football and did utilize two, two tight end sets with Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington plenty over at Georgia. Yeah. When I did my projections for um, the Ravens, this was something that I accounted for just because likely played so well last year. I didn't see a way where they just fully move away from 12 personnel. I didn't see a way where the only way likely gets on the field is because Mark Andrews is out. I think they're going to want to use him. And so kind of the way I handled it, um, like 
all the top wide receivers for the Ravens. I didn't get, I didn't give any of them even 80% route participation. I had 75% for Bateman. Um, now may need to move that down. We'll see like, you know, with, with what's going on with him, but 70% for flowers. And I had 71% for Odell Beckham jr. And that left me the room I needed to get Isaiah likely to a 40% route participation. Um, so I, and we, this is something we've seen from the Ravens, right? So it wasn't just about making room for likely. You and I have talked about this in past years, how with their skill position players, they will run a very heavy rotation. We have seen years where they're not getting any of their wide receivers to a 90% route participation. And I think if everybody's healthy this year, that kind of lends itself to that scenario because they're going to want to get them all out there. They're all going to rotate. Um, I think it probably impacts all of them rather than kind of the way it's getting projected, which is, oh, it's going to knock Zay Flowers off the field. I, I think what's going to happen is you'll see Zay, I think you'll see Zay Flowers in two wide receiver sets. But then the very next play in a two wide receiver set, it might be OBJ right yeah. out there, um, you know, with Rashad Bateman. So I think we're just going to see rotation overall because they've got, and it's a good problem to have for uh, Lamar Jackson because that just means that you've got quality weapons. We just need Bateman to get healthy though. Right. So that's, that's the key for the Ravens. Friendly reminder, 2019 Lamar Jackson, you know, just scored the most fantasy points per game than any quarterback in NFL history. I understand we're playing fantasy football in the year 2023 now, but not a bad ceiling, Dwayne, not a bad ceiling in my humble opinion. <laughs> Rams running back, Sony Michelle retired, uh, kind of cracks me up looking back at how seriously fantasy people were like treating that signing a couple of weeks ago on a Twitter Best of luck in retirement, Sony. I mean, some of those Georgia days he had were awesome. Obviously, you know, had a couple good years in New England. And honestly, you know, a good time in uh, Los Angeles back in their Super Bowl year as well. Sony Michelle got like three rings, I think, out there. So that's awesome. You know, best of luck in retirement to Sony. Uh, they signed Royce Freeman accordingly to now back up Cam Akers. Still certainly seems like it is Cam Akers' backfield. So good stuff, I guess, there for Cam. Sterling Shepard activated from the pup list with a knee injury. Are we going to see a six-wide receiver rotation in New York, Dwayne? I'm curious what you kind of thought about uh, this situation when doing your projections because I had an article go up last week, and I was looking at the uh, cheapest wide receiver rooms in the NFL, Carolina, Houston, and the Giants. Those were the only ones without a single wide receiver and it's going inside the top 10 rounds. Nico Collins has now slid inside the top 10, so, you know, fuck me. But, you know, as it was going, <laughs> I really thought Nico and Robert Woods stood out as, you know, reasonable targets. I thought in Carolina, uh, you know, Terrence Marshall and even DJ Chark, you know, after kind of sifting through it, I could talk myself into there. The Giants, though, as much as I do try to stick up for Daniel Jones, like I just could see on the outside Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Jalen Hyatt, and Sterling Shepard, you know, splitting a lot of reps. And then the slot, I mean, I know jokes aside, they have 40 slot receivers out there, but I do think it's going to be Paris Campbell and Wandale Robinson once he's healthy enough, probably splitting reps, man. So I think the answer is just Darren Waller, but literally the number two target yeah. getter in this offense might be Saquon Barkley. So is there any wide receiver that you can trust here in New York? Well, the other wild card is Jalen Hyatt operated mostly from the slaughter off the line of scrimmage in college, God. right? And if they're, if they're truly wanting to have a vertical presence in the offense, his path to getting on the field could be at the slot as well. So yeah, it was a cluster, Ian. Um, I didn't give any of those slot receivers even a 50% route participation in my projections. Now, we'll, we'll continue to keep our ear to the ground on it, and we'll see if someone is truly emerging. But my gut says that by the end of the year, it's just going to be a problem because I think Wandell Robinson, to your point, you mentioned it a second ago, is going to be pushing for more and more playing time as he gets healthy, right? He was playing well last year, and they've got draft capital invested in him. So that kind of scares me. I don't take a lot of Paris Campbell 
Because like, what what is that role going to be worth by the end of the year when Wandell's healthy? Maybe Jalen Hyatt's coming on as a rookie. Um, like honestly, I like taking Hyatt in the last with the last pick. I'll mix him in a little bit just because the archetype. Like I don't necessarily even need him to be in a full time role to give me a spike week. Just because of you know the fact that he is a deep threat. We saw that truly burn SEC competition. Yes, folks, it was a gimmicky offense at Tennessee, but he still had to go out there and run by guys from Alabama. So with Jalen Hyde, I at least know that he has the speed to be a difference maker. And with that kind of profile, I don't, I don't need 10 catches, right. And 80 yards and a touchdown. I can take two catches for 50 yards and a touchdown and you still get a spike week out of him. So I'm mostly staying away from it, but if I do take one late, it is typically Jalen Hyatt in the last round because of his archetype. And just really strangely, Dwayne, like probably the only him and Josh Downs, I think are the only like day two wide receivers who have seen like severe decreases in their ADP, you know, relative to where they were before the draft. Cause Hyatt was going like top 150 or at least kind of around that area, you know, before actually we had the draft happen. Now you can again, get them almost the final round of draft. So like that call, I think they said he hit 24 miles per hour out there at practice or something. Yeah. You score five touchdowns and go for over 200 yards against Alabama. Maybe you're pretty good at football, you know, imagine <laughs> that Dwayne. Okay. This one's been kind of annoying me. Bijan Robinson's <laughs> incredible. My overall RB3. He should absolutely be a first-round pick. Can we chill the fuck out on freaking out when this dude is running triple moves versus LBs with a full field open and one-on-ones, Dwayne? Come on. Is Desmond Ritter going to have five seconds to throw in just this isolated route with no safety help over the top? We know about Bijan's toasting some probably practice squad linebacker who's not going to be playing this year. And then just the the reaction to everyone. It's like it's like they'd never seen a running back win a one-on-one battle before. So I don't know, Dwayne. It's just annoying me. This is the type of training camp stuff that annoys me because like <laughs> we, we didn't know Bijan could do shit like this before. So Falcons fans, be excited and everything. But for the love of God, if yeah. you have updated a single fantasy football rank on Bijan, because of any of these videos miss me with that yeah is he playing slot yet are we getting slot reps yet ian like that's the real thing right um it just pissed me off, man. i remember being that linebacker okay i was not getting torched maybe that bad i like to think i wasn't by the way but like these one now we know now we know why <laughs> these one-on-ones are so heavily in favor of the offense man it's just like he's not Gonna, was this what you were crying that. to the coach after practice <laughs> coach come on man this is so weighted to the pressure office. would have been there coach come on but it, seriously man we're like we're not even seeing just like a chris angle route it's like these double triple moves and it's like the ball needs to be out already give me a break yeah uh the the bigger question i have watching these videos um ball placement by desmond ritter <laughs> not great not great. Like pretty much every clip I've seen, and I'm I, I've, I'm not claiming to have watched all of them. So fine, if you guys want to come hit me with twenty clips of Desmond Ritter being accurate, like do like at me with them because like it's not like I've been searching for them, but it happens to be the one thing I notice every highlight. I whether it's Mac Hollins or whoever or Drake London, I'm like, oh man, he had to like stop and turn all the way back like to get that ball. I'm I'm a little worried. Like what's up with Desmond Ritter? And you know. I've been trying to tell people it's a small sample size. I get it, but this dude was Wasn't more good, inaccurate no. than Mariota last year. So when we say it can't get worse than Mariota, you know, it's the same thing we're saying when old man Big Ben Roethlisberger was, you know, coming back or when he was retiring. So I hope Ritter's really good too, Dwayne. I wish every single team out there could have a great quarterback, but yeah, there's a chance that Ritter isn't that accurate this year. Not going to be good for Taylor Heineke. He's going to be starting week one. Let's lock it up. It's happening. You know he's going to be starting. Mac Hollins, 6'5", 305 pounds, not, <laughs> not using his utensils to eat. Mac Hollins, like, dude, Mac Hollins, over wow. Camp. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you had the good tweet like, uh, you know, drug test incoming. Yeah, man. Well, I, t- I took him in round uh, 18. I think I had a, uh, I made like a late Falcons stack or something. So, you know, you can go ahead and scratch that lineup off the contender list. But I'll tell you what, man, didn't hate it. It was a fun time. I enjoyed it. $25 well spent to draft Matt Collins in round 18. <laughs> Final note, Eagles rocking with the Kelly Green jerseys uh, as their alternates this year. In my humble opinion, best alternate only behind the Chargers powder blue. We're biased Cowboys fans, Dwayne, but I actually think the Cowboys, you know, the ones they rock on Thanksgiving, the old like 1960s old school ones, I think those are pretty fresh as well. Do you have a top alternate jersey like uh, Patriots red ones with the uh, musketeer guy on the helmet? It's pretty sweet too. Um, I really do love the, the Kelly Green, which is like, that's saying something because like, I despise the Eagles growing up. Like oh, yeah. because they used to, but you had to love Randall Cunningham or at least respect. Him. Oh yeah, I loved yeah, I love Randall. Like I posted like not too long ago, like a bunch of pictures of like uh, football cards that I have from of Randall Cunningham back oh, in the day. You know, there's the there's the one where he's like just chilling in like some sweat shorts or something. Like what was the name of that brand? I forgot Proline or something like that. And athletes are all just like starter wearing like yeah no, it wasn't starter. But, it was it was the card. I think Proline was what it was called. I don't know. I have to go back and look. I'll post a picture for somebody uh, on on uh, Twitter. But no, I like. Um, I mean, the ones you mentioned. Like, I, I definitely love the those powder blues for the Chargers, which I know a lot. Like, yeah, I like that Patriots one. I'm trying to think like off the top of my head, like any of the others that that I really love. I, you you hit the good ones. Like, I'm I'm coming up blank right now. I'm a loser. I, I do like the I, I like the Seattle Seahawks throwbacks this year. That makes Ooh. me think of Steve Largent. I like their yeah. throwbacks this year. Those are very nice. Good call. I kind of feel like in general, most of the most of the uniforms from the eighties are better than the ones that we have today for most teams. Like the Cowboys, theirs are not like that different, right? There's some teams that are still kind of the same, but I, I pretty much like the older ones more. I don't know if that's just old man yelling at cloud thing or just <laughs> actually they look better. I was about to say nostalgia can be a hell of a drug sometimes, but I don't know, man, I kind of agree. And I wasn't, you know, exactly watching a watching and or alive in the eighties, you know? So one of those, those oiler were, ones that oh there was a picture god. of Derrick Henry. Oh my God. Those are I, awesome. I know those it's kind of weird. Awesome. I know it's kind of weird to still be wearing those and be a completely different team. But like when the uniforms yeah. are that sick, like if anything, the Texans should just like adopt those, like give, give a giant middle yeah. finger to the Titans and say, these are our jerseys. Our they should wear those every week. Hey, I'd sign up for it. Dwayne, yeah. it's going to wrap up this edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. Let the folks know what you've been grinding on in the laboratory over there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, working on an on the in-season projection model. Uh, we've got some cool stuff coming out around utilization for tools. So I can't give exact deadlines on it all yet, Ian. Like some of it's still all up in the air, but we're working to have it all ready, right, for the kickoff of the season. But I also put out, took time out last week to write the uh, wide receiver breakout article so i walk you through my entire methodology of when wide receivers typically break out that helps me figure out okay what years do i want to isolate on and then what are some of the underlying traits that are most likely to precede a big breakout season by a wide receiver and then i break them all down into tiers so there's a quite a few names on there uh i will say drafters have gotten sharper these guys do not go as late as they used to but you still got to know who they are, and uh, I give you all the information you need so that you can kind of make some decisions about uh, which ones you like and you want to target in your drafts. 
Great stuff there, Dwayne, at Dwayne McFarlane on the old Twitter sphere, as always. Uh, again, last week I wrote my 10 ways to decide your fantasy football draft order. You guys can check that out for free, just like everything else on FantasyLife.com, including our rankings and all that. So I will have my favorite pick in every single round of an 18-round fantasy draft up tomorrow. Also doing running back handcuff tiers and something else I forget, but I have until Friday to write it. So rest assured, I will remember by then. So appreciate you guys tuning in. Dwayne will be back with Marcus here pretty soon. I will have another pop of Chris Allen and many streams along the way. Very excited to keep on going with our high stakes partners, NFFC. Appreciate you guys tuning in for that one. And Dwayne and I will be drafting together moving forward. Dwayne, no more, uh, you know, trying to not give my picks <laughs> away or anything that. So round, round seven is a dangerous place with you and I both drafting in it. And we, and we always <laughs> want Deshaun Watson or Darren Waller. <laughs> this is better same team now you know it'll be good so very excited to do that it's going to be uh wednesday nights more times than not here moving forward so make sure you check that out live always a fun time you know barking off you know having a couple land sharks and doing that with the boys so again this has been the fantasy live podcast appreciate everyone tuning in until next time take care everybody